You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday evening sermon series. Those with smartphone technology, some of us have smartphones, but we're not smart enough to figure out how to use it. Uh, that's a joke. Um, what I'm trying to do, uh, I think, and is, is helpful, is I'm trying to provide uh, a lot of the notes and, and teaching things on, on Sunday morning and uh, on Sunday night. So I don't want to definitely be a distraction because I do think <clears throat> that uh, we ought to be people that are opening up our Bibles and following along with the preaching of the Word. And we live in a day and age where there are just too many distractions anyway. Uh, but one of the, the great enemies of pastors is the clock. And so as we study and we prepare and uh, we think about the task that we have, there's just a lot that goes into it. And, and you know, you pass over so many things. You're like, oh, my goodness, how do, I, how do you leave that out? Uh, and so uh, it's every Sunday afternoon I download and, and post on my website the notes. And so if you want to go to your phone and follow along tonight, um, that would be great. It's just actually my teaching outline. And so a lot of the things I do share, some of the things I don't share, but you've got uh, everything if you want to follow there. Then same thing Sunday morning. <clears throat> We've been talking about conforming to the image of Christ uh, and, and kind of a way of a review. Uh, we've talked about our assurance that we have to you know, know that we're a believer. Talked about union with Christ, that we are one in Christ. If the goal is to be conforming to his image and that is the goal of the Christian life so we ought to be able to look and say okay how's that how's that coming am I do I look more like Christ today than I did before we talked about our mind how important our thinking is our calling our purpose uh, the dangers of complacency and uh, then over the last couple of Sunday nights previously we looked at Christian zeal and being excited about the Lord uh, we got that video, Justin. You able to get that up? I want to show. We're going to show a video in just a second. Over the last couple of years, this will be the third year. Uh, uh, it started out of Grace Bible a couple of years ago. Uh, Pastor Dustin Woods got a, a great burden for uh, prayer and fasting, and he was preaching on prayer and fasting. and And uh, a lot of us as Baptists have heard of prayer and fasting, but some of us may have participated and others had not. And so they began to a season of prayer and fasting, fasting, but really praying. And so uh, God just did a a good work in in the midst of their people. And so uh, last year it it spread to some other evangelical Bible-believing churches. Uh, And so uh, this year we are also going to be taking part and, and like I like to say, locking arms. I, my philosophy, and just to let you know this, my philosophy of working together, if I feel like someone's going to be in heaven, if I, if I look over there and there's a church, and uh, they might not be Baptists, but I can look at them and say, you know what, I, I believe they're going to be in heaven one day. And so if I feel like, if I'm going to spend eternity with them, uh, there's something we can do this side of heaven with them. You know, sometimes with... You know, uh, when, when, when theology and, and differences and things are, are, are not jiving, it gets kind of difficult with pulpit swaps and that stuff. But most seasoned, mature pastors get that. And so I've always, and especially during the hurricane, I was just really burdened by the need of a community. And, and when, when uh, something hits a community like that, you got, I'm going to test your, your insight and see what you think. There's two things that can, there are two identities, two organizations that can step up that should step up that can step up and make a difference the government and who else the church but we realize if we don't have a working relationship and a partnership when something like that happens you're just in scramble mode and so several of us as pastors have made a commitment that you know we're going to agree on what we can agree on the gospel and, and we're going to to lock arms as best we can 
for the sake of the kingdom and the glory of the Lord and so that people could see that if we cannot be unified under the gospel, why would they want to be part of us? And so uh, just uh, you're getting the first announcement of this. Um, January, it's going to be 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm, I'm going to explain all what that looks like. It is not a church program. It is something that we are doing voluntarily as churches, literally outside the walls of the church. Over those three weeks, we as pastors, on our own ability and insight, will be preaching through the book of Philippians. Everyone that wants to take part in this will get a devotional that has been written uh, by the main pastors involved. Matt and I got in on the, on the tail end of it, so we were not involved with the, the writing of the material but we have had an opportunity to, to look over it and pastors that have looked over it. It is evangelical and, and Bible-believing based. And so over those 21 days, all the people in Highlands County that will be involved with this will be reading these devotionals on their own. And here's what I get excited about. All over the county, outside the walls of the churches, there are going to be prayer groups for 21 days to where you just go to a group, a layperson, reads the devotion for the day. There's no two hours of preaching or singing or all of that. A lay person reads the devotion that's been provided by the pastors and churches, and then you break off into moments of prayer. And uh, so many of the pastors have told me that their, their people went to it almost like sometimes you feel like you have to do something because if you don't, the pastor's going to look at you wrong the next time he sees you. And so they, they said they went to these prayer groups and they had never prayed in public in their life. And they would break up into little groups and kind of do the Baptist way of squeezing the hand and go to the next one. And uh, they said by the, the second or third day, after 21 straight days, they began to, to pray publicly and, and, and begin to pray with brothers and sisters in Christ that aren't part of their church. So I'm very excited about it. Because I think we are in need of a spiritual revival in our hearts and in our community. And uh, I'm looking forward of, of biblically teaching on what true fasting and prayer are all about. This is not a don't eat for three weeks. Uh, I tell people I have sugar problems and about three hours into a day I'm hunting crackers and peanut butter. And so, but it could very well be a, a, a fasting is something that you do away with and that you replace it with a relationship with the Lord. You know, a lot of us folks in our 30s and, well, I guess I'm not 30. <laughs> and my generation in down, could you imagine if we laid our smartphones down for three weeks and, and began to pray, you know, TV, hobbies, and we just said we're going to, instead of doing these things. So let's watch this video. It's real short, and then we're going to get into the Bible study for tonight. But it, it fits perfectly 14, together with growing in Christ. pursue as our goal the prize promised by God's upward call in Christ Jesus. As a community of pastors, we believe that God has called us to a very intentional time of pursuing the Lord in our individual lives as well as with each one of you. We're excited to see what God is going to do in and through His church as God's people seek his face together. God's word, prayer, and fasting are profound instruments of God to draw us into a deeper and a more authentic walk with him. These gifts spur on revival in the hearts of those that would seek him. When the hearts of individuals ignite, revival permeates whole communities. But this has to start with us. Followers of Jesus, the church, the bride of Christ, the saints, the royal priesthood, a people who are called by his name. When the people of God seek the face of God together, the name of Jesus will be lifted high and our community will never be the same. We, 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 we will never be the same. We invite you, men, women, senior adults, teenagers, children, friends, we invite you all of God's people to join us, to join us, to join us, to join us, to join us on January the 8th through the 28th as we engage in the pursuit of our upward call in Christ Jesus as one capital C church for the glory of God. You can, you can go to that website and this will be more public as we get closer, but I wanted to share it with you all first because you're the discipleship. A little funny story about that. We went, Matt and I went to a, a lunch to, to, to talk with the other pastors, and it's First Baptist, it's First Baptist Seabring, us, uh, First Baptist Lakes Placid, First United Methodist, uh, Wings of Faith, African American Church, Family Fellowship, African American Church, 
uh, Grace Bible, First Presbyterian, Lake Placid. No, is it First Presbyterian? Yeah, First Presbyterian, Lake Placid, uh, United Methodist. So a, a great group. So I went uh, with a lunch. Matt and I went for lunch. They wanted to, to talk to us about it and hoping that we would be involved with it. And I had on uh, my red button-down University of Georgia shirt it's a little, with the G on it. So they said, hey, you're all in. Let's do it, shoot the video. And I said, I am not shooting a video on fasting and seeking the face of God with a Georgia Bulldog shirt on. And so, and I said, here I am. And so I dug that pullover out of my back of my, uh, my seat. One of the skinny pastors said, wear my shirt. I won't fit. So I just thought that was funny because I was like, you know, I'm not going to stand up here with a Georgia Bulldog shirt on. And, and not that nothing's wrong with that. And then tell people to do away with something and seek the face of the Lord. And we are so enamored with our sports teams and stuff. So, yeah, it was about 80 degrees that day and I had my pullover on. Um, take your Bible. So I, I am excited. Pass the word. Everyone needs to be. Now, here's the thing about this. I'm, I'm going to tell you all this. You'd be surprised. I'm going to say I want you to pray about taking part in 21 days of prayer and fasting to seek the face of God, to be willing to pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ in this community for, the, for, for your benefit and the glory of God. I'm going to ask you to pray about doing that. Do you think God's going to tell you not to do it? I mean, you think about that. You know, what? And I, it's going to take, it's going to, it's going to get us out of our comfort zone a little bit because we're going to be outside the walls of our church praying and enjoying body life together so you begin to pray about that i am very uh excited about what that is going to look like all right finishing the task of the next several weeks we're we're not meeting over the next several weeks but the next times that we meet we're going to look at things that are important to finishing the task uh you would be surprised as, as I get older, um, the number of people that start but don't finish. Now, that's, that deals with everything. I mean, they, they start, but they don't finish. You know, church life, you, you think, hey, what happened to, you know, where, where did they go? What happened to what's his name? You know, we, we do it in, in life. We look back, whatever happened to. But I do believe that there is the means biblically that we can understand that we can finish the task. Finish faithful. So turn, if you will, 2 Timothy 4, 5, 8, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read this verse. And then as I say the other verses, I've got them kind of typed out where I can read them quicker so you can write them down and look at them. But I want us to all turn there to 2 Timothy 4. One of my favorite pastoral books because it's the last letter Paul wrote to Timothy. So it's the last words that Paul gave Timothy, the preacher. So when you're you're sitting there and you're seeking the face of the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be the best pastor I can be. Help me to be the best pastor I can be. I want to hear from the greatest theologians and pastor I can. Read read 2 Timothy. Uh, If you want to know how to pray for your pastors... Read 2 Timothy. Read First and 2 Timothy. Read Titus, the pastoral epistles. This is, this is God's word to Paul, to Timothy. This is God's word for, you know, the church. And so it brings great encouragement to me as I read that. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. Uh, the, the passage above that, I'm not going to go there because it takes me too long to work through it. Uh, it talks about preach the word. But then it talks about preaching the word and why we preach the word. And then it comes down to verse 5, 2 Timothy 4, 5. As for you, it's talking to Timothy. Timothy, as for you and, and what you've been called to do, where you are in your life, as for you, always be sober-minded, watchful, be watching our work, endure suffering. And so from the very beginning, we begin to see that there's you're called to be sober-minded, and then immediately. So you think about if immediately Paul is telling a pastor of a church to endure suffering, then we as, as believers also understand that being a Christian, we endure suffering. Sometimes we don't hear that, I don't think, enough. We, we, I think in our churches and in our evangelical world today, it's all good and sweet and great and everything's fine and just believe enough and you have it but it is a, it's a suffering and we'll get to that later but it, it is endure suffering goes on to say to do the work of an evangelist fulfill your calling 
fulfill your ministry. For, and Paul's reminding him, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. And Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, not only to me but also all who loved his appearing. He was literally in jail facing death. After he wrote 1 Timothy, we know historically he was released. He was, he was arrested again. 1 Timothy was a house arrest. 2 Timothy was the prison. And, and historians tell us that he, he, was, he died as a martyr for being a believer in Rome after he wrote 2 Timothy sometime. So he is, he is literally sitting there, and he said, listen, it, it's, I have fought the good fight. You know, I, can you imagine the, the, the daydreaming and the thinking that Paul had to do sitting in that cell, thinking about his conversion and his life? He said, I fought the good fight. You know, I have, I have finished the race. My race is over. I have kept the faith. And so I want us to consider that our own life, on our own life, thinking about finishing. Because if we are here, we're still on the journey. We're still in the race. We're still living the life. Yes, we have been saved, and that was the start, but it's not over yet. And there's so many things yet that we need to do. I, I remind people all the time, senior adults over my ministry, I said, well, what can I do? Well, Paul was in a jail cell. He couldn't even get out of a jail cell, but through his letters and through his prayers, God did much through him. There's, there's always things that we are doing for the Lord. And so we're finishing the life God has saved us to live. I thought about that this week. Finishing the task is finishing the life God saved us to live. If our salvation was just about going to heaven, and I've said this my whole ministry, if living the Christian life is just about going to heaven, the moment that we got saved, we just go to heaven. I always say it this way. We'd have to leave some church staff and deacons and worship leaders around and choir members. But just think about it. It'd be, you know, the discipleship would be real quick. You know, if you're here today and you need to repent of your sin, boom. If you're here today and you know that you need to open it, boom. Well, they, you know, we would... We'd be kind of hard to question someone's salvation. So why then does God leave us here? Because he's, he wants to use us. And we're all on a spiritual journey uh, that God has called us to live. So I want us to consider this as, as a pastor. We've got to do everything in threes. Number one, we have to look at our life as a Christian journey. You know, we have to look at our life that way. There, there's... From beginning to end, if I am here, I am on a journey. Uh, Matt and, and Jessica and Sharon and I were talking about uh, traveling and uh, is a, and what you bring into a family. You know, so Matt was just saying that you know his, his parents' methodology of traveling is a little bit more. You know, and Jessica was talking about her parents and how they travel. And Sharon says, well, John travels more like her parents and we travel more like this. And, you know, it was just kind of fun to hear how people travel and what they do. And they were talking about coming to see grandkids and stuff. So I'm picking up on these things. Uh, and they were talking about, that, you know, we, we all travel differently. All right? Sometimes I get a little frustrated, but I don't realize why not everybody's in my universe. My universe is a great place to be. Most do not understand it, but it is a glorious place for an existence. But, you know, I'm going to go before the Lord one day. And he's, listen, I, all I ask you to do is to run the race in your lane. I didn't ask you to worry about what everybody else is doing and their giftedness and their skill set and their passions and their differences. Just, just do what I've called you to do. And that's, I literally feel that's what's going to happen. Uh, we are gifted in different ways. We are excited about different things. But we all are on a journey. Now, there are some folks I know that they've been in the rest area a long time. You know, their, their GPS is saying, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. We are all on a journey that we have an end in mind. And so we have to look at our life as a spiritual journey. Three little ways, sub points, I guess you could say, 
that we need to understand this. One, we have to love the idea that we are on a journey. I mean, that sounds so simplistic. We just have to enjoy and understand that my life is a journey, it is a mission, and it is a calling. I know we put a lot of emphasis on different types of calling. And, you know, someone's called to do this, and you're called to be a pastor, and you're called to be to serve, you're called to be a missionary. Um, you know, I believe we are all called to serve. Some are pastors, some are evangelists, some are missionaries, some are, are seminary professors, some are this, some are that, whatever we're called to do. But we are all called to do something. And I think we have to understand, my life is a journey, and I'm on that journey. I'm excited about that journey. I think some of us just aren't excited. And that we have to understand my life for the Lord Jesus Christ is what I need to be excited about. What God is doing in my life right now and the season of my life is a journey that I'm excited about. There's a start and there's a finish. And, and as a pastor, you get to hear, you know, pastors, you hear some of the things that, that burden us. One of the things that burdens me is the idea of discipling and seeing Christians grow. A, a decision for Christ, it's not just a decision for Christ. You know, I've decided that I'm, I'm going to be a Christian. I've decided it's a decision. It's a decision to not just believe in Christ. It's a decision to follow Christ. I have decided to do what the song, I have decided to. And so it's, a, it's not just a decision. I've made a decision for Christ. We've made a decision to follow Christ and on this journey and this spiritual journey that he has called us to. Secondly, as we realize that there's this, this desire and this understanding about this journey, we love this journey. Secondly, we have to realize that where we are on this side of heaven is temporal. Okay? It's just temporal. That's hard for us to grasp, isn't it? First um, Peter 2. I'm going to read First Peter 2. Verse 11, 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh that war against your soul. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 and 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at 1 Peter, one of the, the great themes of first Peter is the hope that we have as God's people the Lord's coming and the, the end and the hope that we have and Peter is reminding them listen we're just passing through all right, we th this is all temporary and, and we're sojourners and we're pilgrims and we're just passing through but yet so often we spend so much time on this side of heaven that we really lose our focus on that side of heaven um, one of the things that that, that I struggle with is, is my stuff. You know, think about stuff. Stuff can be a lot of different things. Your job, your hobbies, your, your stuff. Why do we get so excited about our stuff? Are we taking any of our stuff to heaven with us? Sharon is, um, now that Emily's back, Sharon's got a little help. And so just this weekend I was moving some things and cleaning up some things and I found a rubber tub kind of hid I think in my closet and it was full of my stuff and I realized I haven't seen my stuff laying around I've got a Jack Nicholas signed golf ball I've got eight tracks of Larry Munson calling University of Georgia football games I've got ticket stubs I've got caps I've got my granddaddy's baseball mitt back in the day, just in a tub. All my little stuff that means so much to me is in a tub. So you know what I'm going to do tomorrow when she goes to work? I'm going to clean my tub out and put it all over the house in random places. <laughs> just have it like, like we do the find the elf at Christmas or whatever. It's going to be find the stuff in the back house. It's just stuff. We're just passing through. I, I make light of this, and I never want to make light of, of loved ones that are with the Lord, but I think that's just how I deal with it. Uh, when my grandmother passed, there's nobody that you know was more broken than I was, but that's just how I deal with things. Um, you know, when, when, when I go to be with the Lord, they're going to be arguing about who's got to keep that stuff. 
It's still going to be in that rubber tub. Nobody's really going to care about it. Maybe when the grandkids are real little, they think it's cool. But once kids get it about middle school, they don't think I'm cool and funny anymore. And so it's just going to be stuff. But think about all the things that we are so focused on this side of heaven. We're just passing through. You know, as hard as it may sound as pastors, you know what one of the things pastors struggle with? Leaving a church when they're old. What are they going to do? I've had so many pastors say, we just have an exit strategy. That's all that your life is at church. And I get that. I really do. I understand that. But I also want to understand, too, listen, if I, if I pastor for 100 years, you know, the, the next guy that follows me, I, it's isn't about me. You know, my, my rewards are not down this side of heaven. You know, I'm not laying up treasures down here. Where am I laying up treasures? In heaven. Listen to Matthew 6. 19 and following Matthew 6 19 and following do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth some of us are just laying up and laying I'm not talking about just physically I'm talking about spiritually just laying up treasures laying up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is There is where your heart is. My focus should be on the things that matter for eternity, not the temporary things that matter down here. Now, we know this. Don't we know this? As we look back, we think about it. We look back in our life, and we think about all the things we got so worked up over that really didn't mean that much. And then as we kind of go through that season of life, and then we look back, and, you know, we think. But the whole time, we never really move away from that. We just shift to another season in our life. We spend way too much time storing up treasures this side of heaven instead of for all eternity. Everything that should drive us to live our lives should be have an eternal impact. Uh, if, it is, if it is having a good job and being financially stable, I, I don't think that's a bad desire. If the desire is to be able to have some wealth and some financial stuff so that you can lay up treasures for all eternity. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you leave it, your grandchildren and children will go through it in six months. I see it all the time. You'll work and work and work. And I want to leave our heritage behind. Leave that heritage behind. They're going to blow through it. Leave it to the church if you really want to make an eternity. Grandchildren, don't do that. Them grandkids are going to blow through it like they've never seen anything out of it. Stop laying up treasures this side of heaven and lay up treasures for all eternity. So if we look at our life as a spiritual journey, we have to understand, one, that it is a journey, that we love this journey. Two, we realize that we're passing through. I'm not focused on, on the temporary. We're focusing on eternity. Three, we keep going. We have to keep going. And we persevere in the faith. Look at Philippians 3.12. Philippians 3.12. In following, it is one of my... I guess you could say favorite passages to, to encourage someone to live out the Christian life. And, and I, I keep saying this, I'm 51, okay? I don't know what that means. I'm young and old. I'm just, I don't know what, 50s is a weird little age, isn't it? But I'm already seeing a lot of people that I have known for years that for some reason are struggling with this whole growing in Christ thing. You know, it, it, at some point, you have to begin to look and say, man, you know, how hard is this? <laughs> Stop living in sin, okay? Pursue after things that are right and holy. Get excited about living for Jesus. Love the things that God loves. Hey, let's just get going. It's just not that hard to me. I mean, I realize that it is an ongoing process, but this really, we're making this way difficult. Uh, And so we have to understand this. We just keep going. We persevere in the faith. Now listen to Paul, Philippians 3.12. Not that I've already obtained it. Now I'm sure I haven't looked at the the outline of the verses for 21 days, but it's through the book of Philippians. Not that I've already, so I'm sure this will be a, a, a major point. Not that I've already obtained this. Okay, if Paul's not there, I got news for you. You're probably not there. I love you, 
you're redeemed, you're blood-bought, redeemed child of God. Paul's a pretty sharp dude. He said, I'm not there yet. If Paul's not there yet, I know I'm not there yet. And I'm assuming most of us are not there yet. You're not there yet or you wouldn't be here tonight. We're not there yet. We have not arrived. That's not a bad thing. Or am I already perfect, but I press on. Now, what do you think that word means? If you just happen to throw press on, what does that word, just the picture of pressing on, that's work. That's effort. Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Why do we do what we do? Because of what Christ has done for me. That's the reason we have. You know, I say this often in, in a very sweet way. Uh, sometimes my wife reminds me, that didn't, you didn't say that sweet enough. If we could get people to remember what they need to be doing because of what Christ has done. Let me rephrase another way. A lot of times as pastors, Matt and I spend a lot of our time trying to get church Christian people to live like church Christian people. And it prevents us from really coming alongside those that really want to grow in Christ and helping them. It would almost be like we're the shepherds and we've got so much that we could be doing to strengthen the flock, but we can't because we're over there in the next meadow getting the, 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 the sheep that doesn't want to be a sheep. And we, we spend so much time. So one of the things I've always tried to encourage people to do, we do what we do because of what Christ has done for us. If there's someone that just does not enjoy living the Christian life, they don't, they're not in church, they just don't have time for it, they never read the Bible, they don't pray, one, I question their salvation. You have to. Because if you understand what Christ has done for you, then naturally what follows is you want to live a life that's pleasing to him. And Paul says, listen, I press on because of what Christ has done for me. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do. Now, Paul could raise his voice a little bit. One thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I'm straining. How does that sound? Does that sound like a sweaty word? Straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice what Paul says here as we think about our life being a spiritual journey. We keep on. We, we persevere in the faith. Notice what it says about our past. Our past is where we have been. Now, where we are been indicates where we are now, Right? If we're on a journey, where we have been indicates where we are. Now, let me tell you, what, what is one of, uh, Sunday night, I love Sunday night, folks, because you get to hear all the family talk. You know, it, it doesn't matter what church you're in, doesn't matter what, I say, denomination you're in, whether it's Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, whatever. One of the jokes that pastors always deal with is tradition. Have you ever noticed that? Tradition. Why do you think globally one of the shop talks that pastors always deal and talk about is church tradition? Why do you think that is? Oh, you don't be dumb on me now, huh? That's because that that's what we all that's what every church says that. Every church has said that. Every church out there. Now, why is that a big deal to a pastor? Why does that aggravate pastors? Can I say aggravate? Why does that aggravate pastors that we are constantly talking about what we've done? If I am going this way, and I'm always looking where I've been, guess where I'm going? That way. This is where I'm going, but I keep looking this way. You're not making any progress. And across the universe in churches, that is one of the things that you could, you could do a conference in any English-speaking place and say, one of the breakout sessions is going to be church and tradition and how to move on. And that place would be standing room only. And we're all guilty of it. 
I mean, I literally, honey, I found my golf ball. I've had that golf ball a long time. Somebody gave, that is my grandfather's baseball mitt. Huh. Well, that room's going to be for those grandchildren. And we're not having your stuff in there. And I'm like, you know, that's a good point. But what if my grandchild likes Jack Nicholas and my granddaddy's baseball mitt? <laughs> you see where we go with that? And so Paul says, listen, I'm thankful for who I was. But this is where we're going. You know what's so crazy in, in individual life, in church life? We get the most fired up about things that aren't even in the Bible. Amen? We don't get fired up about things that are in the Bible. We get fired up about things that aren't in the Bible. Like my life. Well, this is what we, this is what we did. This is what, I mean, golf balls and catcher's mitts. Sharon could say, well, honey, I... Reference, reference, reference. True story. True conversation. We'll do fine as long as you don't tell us what we have to do. Because we've been here a lot longer than you. You've been here and we'll be a lot lo- here a lot longer after you're gone. Future. Isn't that sad? The, the mentality that, that we have. And I'm just as guilty of it. I mean, I, I could be just as guilty with my life. Saying, well, this is what now, you know, Emily shocked me one day coming in and said something. It was so funny. I just never thought about it. You know, to me, I was born in the 60s. So if you start throwing in the 40s and 50s, that's a long time ago. I mean, you know, 50s and 60s, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm, to me, that's old. But back in the 60s, you know, Emily said something the other day. She said, oh, my goodness, it, you look like you're out of the 90s. <laughs> and I thought, I do have clothes from the 90s. Isn't that crazy? No wonder she said I look like I'm going, that's, that is a long time ago. It's, it's easy to do. Here's what else I found out, and this is not making light of, of, of me going to be with heaven. My, my brother told me when I turned 50 that I was halfway dead. My brother and I had the same little personality about that. My grandmother lived to be 100. And so when I turned 50, he said, well, halfway dead. Guess what 51 means? I'm more than halfway dead. The longer that the, that's, if we're just 50-50, we've got half in, half to go. The more I've got more invested, the worse I get. Oh, we could just get back to where we were. If we could just get back to where we were. If we could just get back to where we were. And as long as we're worried about what's going on back there, we're not watching the road up here. And Paul says, listen, church in Philippi, you've got to remember the past, but you've got to understand that you are here for your future you are here now think about it from a church we are here for those future generations we are literally laying the groundwork for us to grow in our knowledge and faith and understanding but we are here for the future generations that are the legacy that we're living behind nobody cares about what we used to do you know they don't care what we did in the 40s and 50s and evidently they don't care what i did in the 90s they don't care What they care about is the eternal impact of what we did and what it's doing now. But Paul says, listen, you're on a journey. You've got to use the past. As I like to say, you're letting your past dictate where you're going. But we've got to press on. Notice it says, though, um, I press on toward the goal of the prize of that upward call. So we think about our future. This is where we've been. Think about it individually. Where have you been spiritually? What's your spiritual journey? I've often said this. Here's the danger I have. I've got some great stories. Um, when Sharon and I, uh, you know, when, when, when I was 
very clearly God was calling me into ministry. I, I knew, you know, the, the pastor of church. I knew exactly, you know, we, we literally sold our house, had three kids. We sold our house, went to Graceful, Florida. After I'd quit my job, I didn't have a job. Went to work at the college, changing ballast and fluorescent lights. Cut grass and took the trash out of the bank and pastored the mega church, First Baptist Church of Wausau, Florida. You know, and, and you know, we lived in a little shotgun cracker house and the kids were little and we were just hot and poor. Now, how old is that story going to get? Boy, I, just, I had faith. In 1996, I trusted the Lord and I stepped out on faith. And I didn't even have TV that year for the Georgia season. True story. Oh, y'all need to have faith like I had in 1996. You see where I'm going with that? Well, what's God doing now? Oh, but in 1996, we prayed and we sought the Lord and we sold our house and we stepped out on faith and we lived in the panhandle. We didn't have anything. Oh, those were glorious days. What about now? Oh, they ain't doing that now. That was just back then. That's what we do. Oh, my testimony. I think a testimony is important. But I think what we did then should match what we're doing now. Are we living in faith now? And so I think two things, and I, I will close with this. I've got four more points. I told you the clock is a great enemy. We just we'll go through April now, okay? Um, excitement. Let's think about our church for a moment. Boy, a hurricane and put a. It, I told Matt and Judy that the other day in the staff meeting. Boy, this really rattled our cages, didn't it? This will this will see where we are spiritually. You want to talk about squeezing a tube of toothpaste? Let a hurricane come over your church. I saw some great things. I didn't see some great things. So what do we do? You know, we I've heard discussion about buildings and stained glass windows, stuff in cabinets, banners, Sunday school classes. Those are real tangible things we've all had to deal with. But you know what? The best thing to say is, you know what? That's, that's okay. We're going to figure something out. We're going to, you know, I, 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 I'll walk somebody through the building. I don't mind sharing this with you. Uh, Sharon just got so nervous. I heard y'all are tearing the building down. Yeah, we just, <laughs> Matt and Joy and I just had a conference call and says, we just tear the old church down. That'd be fun to do. You know, we weren't here then. Let's just tear the building down. That's what we decided to do. So we, we got the Hispanic church and told them to move out, and we're just going to take everything out, and we're just going to tear that building down. That'll be fun. And I looked at this person and went, uh, can I show you the building? With the ceilings falling out and the black mold on the walls and the green mold on the carpets. Oh, <laughs> and I did, yeah, oh, we're not just tearing the building down. We have to tear the building down. Uh, that, that, that causes us to really think. Uh, I had a church one time, the pastor, all these pastor stories, we love telling our little stories. He said, we're landlocked. And I said, well, why are you landlocked? Don't you have a big piece of land? He said, we can't tear a building down. I said, what do you mean you can't tear a building down? So he went out in the parking lot and he videoed his property. First church, little chapel, building program. Next church, a little bit bigger. Third church, a little bit bigger. I said, well, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Why don't you tear the first church down? We can't. I said, what do you mean you can't? Lady stood up in the business meeting and said she got saved there. We can't take that building down. I said, dear Lord Jesus, do I need to come to a special business meeting and get rid of that building? I mean, I'm the only one that thinks that's ridiculous. 
that a church says we can't grow anymore because there's a building that someone was saved in. Now listen, I'm all about buildings and stuff. But I remember sitting there thinking, I'd never really thought about that before. That we love our stuff, but it is literally preventing that church of reaching their community for Christ because they don't have anywhere to grow. And so I remember talking to him about that. I said, I had never thought about that. So now, pay attention. This is funny. As you ride in the south, I don't know about deep out of the deep south. When you ride around the deep south, pay attention to that. You got the little buildings. Now, if you can use the smaller buildings and do something, but I promise you that a lot of the reason is because if we are so concerned. I, I, I did a revival for a gentleman. And he got fired a month later. And so the joke in seminary was, if you want to lose your job, ask Pastor John to come in. I, he said, preach on the church. And so I was preaching on the church and giving examples about growing and what we don't need to do and don't need to do. Well, the, they called a special meeting and said, you told him all the things to, to say. And I was talking about using our money and that we need to be good stewards. But if we save money and save money and save money, you know, the church is not an investment bank, by the way. And they were saving all their money for what could happen. And God doesn't bless what could happen because he knows what wants to happen. And so they weren't doing anything here and to do that. And do and so I just mentioned that and I thought, you know, I never thought about that. I'd never really been part of a church that did that. But we have to be excited. I'll close with this. We have to be excited about our future. This is real practical here because we have a pastor called me from Indiana. Tony Manning called me yesterday. And he's a church in Indiana. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you this. He's a church in Indiana, and they are really praying about giving us a contribution to help us uh, just because we know a mutual pastor. and They want to take out of their building fund to give to us so that we can keep going. And so, yes, devastated by a, a hurricane, but yet do we not think that we cannot get excited? I'm not saying we're not. We're, I'm excited about what's going to happen. You know, the, I, I think about the need. Think about our community. Is there a need for revival to take place? And yes. Are we not in the middle? Of, we don't have to go to Africa to go on the mission field. We can walk down the street. We don't have to go to the Ukraine. We don't have to go anywhere to be on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Just get up and go to work. And so I think about the journey that we're on. I love where I've been, and I, I, I stopped. True story. Uh, the first pole I climbed as a lineman, uh, 15, 20 years after that, I stopped in Georgia and took a picture of it. And I also went about three or four more poles down the road and took a picture of the first pole I fell off of. As a lineman, I sent them to the family, and they were like, oh, good dad, you know, get that Emily, yeah, yeah, who cares, yeah, you, thumbs up. First pole your dad climbed. Okay, dad, I couldn't even put my, my lineman belt would be a little, a little tight right now. I'd be working like the cable guy off a ladder now. Uh, that's also a joke. Uh, cable guys don't like to climb poles. It's okay to remember where we've been. But where are we going? You know, where are we going? Individually, where are we going? I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to close with this and pray. For the next couple of weeks, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to write out a plan of where, where your life is. I want you to write a plan. Here comes the guy, folks. I don't do that. Yes, you do do that. If you love Jesus, you do it. If you, if you have a plan, you need a plan. I want you to write out a plan. Spiritually, this year, I want my life to look like this. When it, My walk with the Lord. I, I've got my plan already going. Spiritually, this is what my spiritual life with the Lord Jesus Christ is going to look like. I'm going to do these things in my life. Secondly, my family. This is my goals for my family this year spiritually. Whether I'm a, wherever I'm at in life, here are my goals. Here are the accent. I want to do these things for my family, for my job. This is what I want my job to look like as a laborer, as a boss, as an employee. Here are the things in my career I want to do, and I'm going to write these out. My mission life, my what I'm doing. You know, something like this. I'm going to witness to my neighbors. They know I'm a pastor. Big deal. I want them to know the Jesus I know. Instead of just waving at my neighbors, I want to talk to my neighbors about the things of the Lord. And I've got some rough neighbors. 
Guess what happens when you write that down? You have to look at it. And it's one of those things is we need to be people that understand, hey, I'm on a journey, you know. I can't climb a pole anymore. I might could play a little basketball, just a little bit, a couple of series. I still think I'm good for about two snaps in the Georgia-Oklahoma game. A little, little quick out, I could do it. But I'm excited about where I'm at now. And I'm excited about spiritually where I'm at now. I'm on a journey. I fixed me a granddad. That's, I'm, I'm so excited about that. You know, all the mistakes I've made as a parent, scratch that off. Woo, granddad, you know. I'm on a journey. I think about our church. You know, we're, we're hoping to get our, everything in, in place in February. Still got a lot of changes to do. Still going to, there's still going to be some, you know, a lot of things we need to do. You know, there might be a day and age. We have, you know, think about this. We don't, we don't have any more space for adult Sunday school classes. Once we move out, we don't have a, an empty room for Sunday school. We may go to, t- I pray, I pray, within a year or two, we're in double Sunday schools. Why? Because we, do, we need to. You know, if you think about where all our children get in that building, every, every room will be occupied with adult Sunday school. So guess what's going to happen? We're going to have to start looking at roles of Sunday school, and there's going to probably be some moving around. You know, oh, can you imagine that? I'm going to let Matt do that. You know, if you think about it, once we move, once our children get over there, and all our children are out of these hallways. All of our adult classes, there's not, other than closets, above the sound room in the sanctuary, of the fellowship hall up there, choir changing rooms. But I'm talking, there is no, no more room for a new adult Sunday school class. So guess what I'm excited about? An early Sunday school. A late Sunday school. Isn't that going to be exciting? Why? Because we're going to need them. It's cheaper to do multiple Sunday schools and build a $15 trillion building, isn't it? And that's, but that's going to be a challenge. I mean, it is going to challenge us. That, you, know, some, you know, not that our Sunday school room is going to be on wheels, but that's just that's exciting to me. You know, you think about church plants and things that people do and, and the things that we're going to be doing. I am excited about that. But we're on a journey, individually, but also in a church, as a church. Well, let's pray. The time has come upon us, and I am one-third through our message tonight, so I will close with that. Lord God, I do thank you that the journey that you've called us to be on, I'm thankful, Lord, as Paul reminded us that as we're on this journey, that we realize that we can finish faithful uh, because you're with us and you are our God. And we can do great things as we trust you and follow after you. And Lord, I pray as individuals that uh, as we live our Christian life this year, as we look at the next year, that we are celebrate our past, but we're excited about the future. And Lord, as we think about uh, the souls that need to be saved, literally, we think about the people that need to hear the gospel, the Christians that need to grow, and we think about the condition of our, our world and our nation and our city and our county. What an exciting time to be a believer. What an exciting time to be part of a church. And so, Lord, help us prepare for that. Let us celebrate our past, but, Lord, let us rejoice in the future. And, Lord, individually, as a family, but also Lord is a church and then as we continue on in our Sunday nights show us all the steps that are necessary that we can finish faithful with the call that you placed upon our life we do love you Lord and we just pray all these things in Jesus name amen and amen